Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. But by audio, not video. This morning we'll be back with video next week. It's wonderful to be with you. This is Friday of the second week of Lent. And um, just a reminder, if anybody wishes it, that all Fridays of Lent we are to abstain from meat um, in, in honor and remembrance of him, the Lamb of God who died for us on the cross. So... I pray your Lent is going well, and if it's not, and if you failed in your Lenten resolutions, you know that you're not alone, and the only thing that pleases God is for us to get up and and continue, start again, continue. Um, The only true uh, giving up is not starting again. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Um, Never. Our Lord did not, and he is worthy of our not giving up. No matter how many times we fall, um, never give up, beloved. We are um, in the Catechism Explained, the Catechism of Trent, explained by Reverend Sparago. And I, I pray that little by little you are all getting that wonderful book published by Mediatrix Press. It is the Catechism of Trent Explained, and it does. I don't know that it says Catechism of Trent on the cover, it might, but the title is the Catechism Explained. It's a wonderful resource for your family, and if you are ever cut off from church or anything else, it's a resource you want to have for your family. Um, and it's what we are going through here with our sisters. We are up to the section on the Apostles' Creed. Um, and it's so-called the Apostles' Creed because it originated with the Apostles. The Holy Apostles, before they separated from one another, established a certain and fixed rule of their teaching so that it might be the same in all the different countries where they preached. Yet it is only the outline, the outlines of the Apostles' Creed that date from the Apostles themselves between their time and the year 600, a number of new clauses were added in order to meet various heresies. Thus, the words, creator of heaven and earth, were added to meet the Manichaean doctrine that the world was created by the principle of evil, which is, of course, incorrect. The word Catholic was added to distinguish the church from the sects, S-E-C-T-S, around her. The influence of St. Peter in drawing up the creed appears from the fact that the principles which are developed in his speeches as recorded in the Acts of the Apostles are those which are found in the Creed. It was required before baptism as an evidence of fitness for the reception of that sacrament. The Apostles' Creed may be divided into three three several parts. The first part treats of the God, of God the Father, and of creation. The second part treats of God the Son and of our redemption. 
the third part treats of God, the Holy Spirit, and of our sanctification. I'm going to repeat that. The Apostles' Creed may be divided into three parts. The first part treats of God the Father and of creation. The second part treats of God the Son and of our redemption. And the third part treats of God the Holy Spirit and of our sanctification. The Apostles' Creed may also be divided into 12 articles. An article is a member belonging to the whole, as a limb belongs to the whole body. The articles of the creed are so-called because of their inseparable connection with one another. As you cannot take away one of the links of a chain without the chain being broken, so you cannot take away one of the articles of the creed without faith being destroyed. There are various images in the Old Testament of the 12 articles of the creed. One example is the 12 precious stones on the breastplate of the high priest. Excuse me, and the 12 loaves of the proposition of, in Leviticus chapter 24. The articles of the creed, which we should wear on our breast, that is, should believe and confess, should be like the stones in the high priest's breastplate, shining and spreading light around. And you know now I'm reading straight from the Catechism. The number of the articles of the Creed is the same as that of the Apostles of our Lord and is intended to remind us that they contain the doctrine taught by the Twelve Apostles. Every Christian should know the Creed by heart, beloved. It's always time to teach it to your children. They are never too young to begin to learn the creed by heart. It should be repeated every day at our prayers by way of renewing and strengthening our faith and of confirming the covenant we entered on with God at our baptism. It is the shield of faith by the repetition of which we can extinguish all the fiery darts of the most wicked one, Ephesians chapter 6. So now, what is the first article of the creed? Go ahead and say it, and then I'll tell you if you're right. The first article of the creed says, quote, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. It's a rare Catholic that doesn't believe that, even if they're not currently practicing their faith. As soon as I say it, they're going to say, oh, that's right, I remember that from my childhood. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. So the first point under that is the existence of a supreme being. That's what we're saying. We can infer from the created world around us that there exists a supreme being. I'll tell you what. Whoever calls himself an atheist and does not believe in God has a hard time trying to figure out where all this came from, where order, not chaos, came from. We can infer from the created world around us that there exists a supreme being. We cannot see the souls of men, but we can infer their existence by a process of reasoning. So it is with the existence of God. The heavens and the earth could not have come into existence of themselves, nor could the heavenly bodies move through space by their own power. We infer when we see the footprints in the snow that someone has passed that way. We were looking outside, I think I mentioned to you there once that we're in 
two mobile homes in uh, Tyler, the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, and we have quite a bit of mud around us toward last night. So we need to wear some boots to go outside in the mud. But um, a couple of times, we've seen some mighty big footprints um, that look like a mountain lion in the mud. And we infer um, that something has passed this way right outside our door. And so we infer from the things around us that there exists a supreme being. The planets could no more have come into existence of themselves than a town could be built of itself. The astronomer Kirchner had a friend who doubted the existence of God. He had a globe made and placed in his study. His friend came to see him one day and asked where the globe came from. Kirchner answered that it made itself. When his friend laughed at such an answer, Kirchner replied, it would be much easier for a little globe like that to make itself than the great one on which we live. A light cannot kindle itself, and after it is kindled, it will go out in a few hours. But the heavens are lighted by the glorious light of the sun, which has burned for many thousands of years without losing any of its brightness. Look at the millions of the stars. Who made them all and caused them to illumine the night? The psalmist truly says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows forth the work of his hands. That's Psalm 18 in the old rendering 19 verse two in the new. The great astronomer Newton used used always to uncover and bow his head when the name of God was mentioned. And we should, beloved, anytime we mention the name of God, we should bow our heads. We may also infer the existence of God from the creatures on the earth. Thus Job says, ask now the beasts and they shall teach thee. How you like that? Ask now the beasts and they shall teach thee and the birds of the air and they shall tell thee, speak to the earth, and it shall answer thee, and the fishes of the sea shall tell. Who is ignorant that the hand of the Lord hath made all these things? Job chapter 12. If anyone were to find a beautiful marble statue on a desert island, he would say without any hesitation that men had been there. If one were to say that the wind and rain had torn it from the mountainside and given it its form, we should count him as a fool. A greater fool is he who asserts that this wondrous world had no creator. The wonderful arrangement and order of the world also leads us to infer that it has been framed by an architect of surpassing skill. If a ship sails on its way and arrives safely at its destination, we conclude that it had a clever pilot. To say that the stars of the heaven of themselves direct their course is as foolish as it would be. To say that a ship had started from New York and, and so forth, sailed around the world by itself. I hear the music dear ones for our first break. We'll be right back after the break. Don't go away.
This is Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth. Join Father Stephen Imbarato and I, along with many more, in New York City for the Gift of Life Walk on Saturday, March 25th at 11 a.m. in downtown Manhattan's Foley Square. We invite everyone to come walk with us behind the Men's March banner in this great opportunity to stand up together for the least of these on the Feast of the Annunciation, which is also the Day of the Unborn Child. Men, we also have a special men's night the evening before the walk on Friday, March 24th. Meet us at 6.30 p.m. for an important presentation on authentic manhood and the pro-life movement in the old gym at the Basilica of St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in Manhattan. Make plans now to join us. We hope that we'll see you there. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the station of the cross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic radio mobile app god bless you Are you ready to take on the world of flesh and the devil with just the facts? This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Avam, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. God bless you. Keep the faith. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam and I am live by audio, not video today. We'll be back by video next week. God bless you. I'm happy to be with you. This is the second Friday of Lent, and I had a little reminder at the beginning of the program that we need to abstain from meat all the Fridays of Lent, which is really very light. In in olden days, Catholics needed to um, abstain from meat and meat products, butter and milk and eggs and all of that. So the church is very, very easy on us now. We are in the Apostles' Creed. On the first point, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And that means that the earth has a creator. And um, the, um, the author of the Catechism explained on that point has been giving us examples that it, it would be how foolish it is to not believe that all that exists had a creator, that design doesn't have a designer. Um, Psalm 14 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And um, Father Sparago writes, if a ship sails on its way and arrives safely at its destination, we conclude that it had a clever pilot to say that the stars of the heaven of themselves direct their course is as foolish as it would be to say that a ship had started from New York, sailed around the world and return safely without anyone to guide it. 
Cicero long ago said, when we contemplate the heavens, we arrive at the conviction that they are all guided by a being, being, B-E-I-N-G, of surpassing skill. In all that is upon the earth, we see traces of design and of a most wise designer in the construction of the bodies of animals and the bodies of men, in the succession of the seasons, in trees and plants, the adaptation of means to ends in the human eye, the ear, and the various parts of the body, all imply an adapting intelligence, just as the adaptation of a watch to indicate the time or the building of a house to shelter us implies an intelligent constructor. As it would be impossible that the letters of the alphabet should be grouped together by mere chance in the order of the Iliad, so it is impossible that the arrangements of the universe should have come about by chance and without the knowledge and direction of a mighty intelligence. All the nations of the earth have an inner conviction of the existence of a supreme being. Among all nations, even the most degraded, we find invariably the worship of some kind of deity. And I think when I read this there once of um, Acts chapter 17, when the Apostle Paul came um, uh, upon some soldiers who were worshiping at the tomb of the unknown, uh, not the unknown soldier, I think an unknown God. And Paul said, let me tell you who he is. You see, God has put within every one of us, first chapter of Romans says the knowledge of himself, so that we are without excuse. Um, the invisible uh, things of the world, the heavens, declare the glories of God. And again, God put the knowledge of himself within every single soul, so that everyone knows that there's a God. Not everyone knows the special revelation that God sent his son or that the word is his authoritative written word, but they, everyone knows at creation that there is a God, that he exists. And so the catechism that we're reading through now says, among all nations, even the most degraded nations, uncivilized, we find invariably the worship of some kind of deity. We find towns without walls, without a ruler, without laws, without coin, but never without some sort of temple, never without prayer, without sacrifice. Now universal consent is a mark of truth. The belief in God is an inner conviction, which may be said to be inborn, inasmuch as everyone can arrive at it with the greatest ease, everyone beloved, even if no one comes to them with the gospel. Only the fool, he quotes now, what I said earlier, only the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Those who say that there is no God in spite of the glories of creation, which they see around them, are those of whom our Lord says that seeing they perceive not, and hearing they do not understand. Such men are called atheists or infidels. They are invariably men who either are eaten up with pride or live vicious lives or both. He who denies, as St. Augustine says, he who denies the existence of God has some reason for wishing 
that God did not exist. Atheists, for the most part, use language which is at variance with their real convictions. Many of them are the first to cry to God for help when they are in some imminent danger. Their bold talk means very little. They are like boys who whistle in the dark to show that they are not afraid. God will take atheists at their word one day and will show himself no loving God for them. So he took at, he, he took at their word those of the Israelites who doubted his power to give them victory over their enemies and possession of the promised land, and they died before they entered it. Numbers chapter 14. The existence of God is also proved, dear ones, from Revelation. God has at sundry times, this is the, straight from the first chapter, first verse of the book of Hebrews, God has at sundry times and in diverse manners spoken to men and has given them a knowledge of himself. To Moses, he appeared in the burning bush and called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to distinguish himself from the false gods. He gives to himself the name of the self-existent one or I am who I am, Exodus chapter 3. That's what it means. I am who I am. I am self-existent. So in giving the law on Sinai, he says, I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt have none other gods beside me. Small g. God also worked miracles at various times in proof of his existence, such as by sending down fire from heaven, to consume the sacrifice of Elias on Carmel by saving Daniel from the lions at Babylon and the three young men from the fiery furnace. The second point of the Apostles' Creed is the divine essence. What God is in his divine nature or essence is known to us partly from created things, but more clearly from his revelation of himself. St. Paul tells us that the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Creation is a sort of mirror that reflects the divine perfections. Thus, from the beauty of things created, we can infer the greater beauty of him who created them. So again, from the order that prevails in the visible world, we can conclude that he who made it is a being of surpassing wisdom. And from its vastness, we learn the power of him who upholds and supports it. Yet the knowledge thus obtained is always imperfect and obscure. From a beautiful picture, we do not learn much about the character of the painter. In creatures, we see God only as through a glass and in a dark manner. The heathens, before the coming of Christ, were sunk in the grossest vices, and this darkened their intellect and rendered them still less able to arrive at a knowledge of God from his works. The Book of Wisdom says all of this. In order to enlighten this ignorance, God revealed himself to men, 
speaking to them by the mouth of the patriarchs and prophets, and above all, by the mouth of his Son, Jesus Christ. It was Christ who gave to men the clearest manifestation of the nature of God. All the rest spoke somewhat obscurely, for none of them had seen God face to face. Even since God's revelation of himself, man is not capable of a thorough or complete knowledge of the nature of God. The reason of this is that God is infinite and man is only finite. Infinite, beloved, there's no limit to him. Finite, there is an absolute limit to us. Just as we cannot enclose a boundless ocean in a little vessel, so we cannot take in the infinite majesty of God with our finite understanding. Job says, behold, God is great, exceeding our knowledge. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the things that are of God, no man knoweth but the Spirit of God. We can neither express in words nor conceive in thought what God really is. When the sage Simonides was asked by Hiero, king of Syracuse, what God is, he took first one, then two days to consider the question. Then he requested four days more, then eight, and finally said to the king that the longer he thought about the matter, the more obscure did it become to him. It is easier to say what God is not than what he is. He who attempts to fathom the majesty of God becomes profane. It is told of Incarus in the old mythology that he fastened wings to his sides with wax and attempted to fly up to heaven. But when he came too near the sun, it melted the wax and he fell into the sea and perished. So it is with those who seek to fathom the nature of God. He casts them down into the sea of doubt and unbelief. He who gazes upon the sun becomes dazzled. So it is with those who seek to penetrate into the nature of God. Even the angels veil their faces before God. The most perfect of them cannot comprehend his majesty. They are like a man who looks upon the sea from some high point. He sees the sea, but he does not see the whole of it. How can we expect to reach the heights which even the angels cannot attain to? We can only give an imperfect and incomplete explanation of the nature of God. Dear ones, when I was an evangelical Protestant for 18 years from my Jewish background trying to save Catholics, because I thought Catholicism was a false man-made religious system, uh, God, I wouldn't have said God was in a box, but by our theology, he really was. Now as a Catholic, I cannot tell you everything about God because he's in his rightful place. He is the creator. We are the creature. He is infinite. We are finite. And I'm so glad I can no longer put my arms around God. This is coming up against our second break, beloved. And we will take your calls and your emails when we come back from the break. 
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for March 10th. Today we celebrate Saint Dominic Savio. The holy person we celebrate today died at age 15, so early in life that some thought him too young to be considered a saint. Pope Pius XII thought otherwise. Born in Italy in 1842, young Dominic had a deep desire to be a priest. At age 12, he was accepted as a student by Don John Bosco, who was training seminary students to help him in his work with neglected boys. Dominic showed amazing spiritual depths. He spent hours wrapped in prayer, but he worried that his peers would laugh at his piety. While he joined them in games, part of the balanced life that Don Bosco sought to create for all his young charges, Dominic would have been quite content to spend the time more profitably as he saw it. When Dominic's health began to deteriorate, he was sent home to recuperate. Diagnosed with lung problems, he was given the customary treatment of the day, which was to be bled. Instead of helping his condition, the boy grew worse, eventually dying in 1857. Despite opposition, Pope Pius XII canonized Dominic Savio in 1954. He is the patron saint of young boys in general and choir boys in particular. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live, uh, audio today, video. Um, but we have this whole entire half hour to ourselves, and you are welcome to call in toll-free with anything whatsoever on your heart. Our phone lines are wide open, and the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or email at motherstationofthecross.com. We have an email from Gloria, who writes, Good morning, precious mother. Thank you, Gloria. When the warning comes, and I see the state of my soul, will I see my awful sins from 40 years ago? I did confess to them. I don't think I could bear it. Thank you. I don't know the answer to that, Gloria. I know that we will see the current state of our soul. And um, it is said that for some of us, um, we might die at seeing it if we're not repentant. Um, it might shock us too greatly. Others, it will cause us to seriously repent. Um, so I don't know that we'll see our past life through the warning. I guess it's a possibility, but we will. All the sins of our entire life will be exposed at the judgment, Gloria. So we'll need to face them again, even though we're forgiven. Um, there's no heaven for us unless we're forgiven. 
But um, my understanding at the judgment is that the sins of our life will be exposed. I'm not sure about the warning, but we will see, see the current state of our soul at the warning as God sees. That really concerns me, um, even with my sins confessed, because we don't see as God sees. And uh, we commit many sins that we're not even aware of. So don't worry about that. God is perfect in his ways. And we need to simply be confessing our sins and striving ever more every day to live a more holy life so that we're ready to stand before God in the judgment and won't perish at the warning. That's true for all of us, Gloria. Not to fear, but some fear is good if it turns us back to God in righteousness. And we have an email from John who says, Hello, Mother. It has been a long time since I have written to you, but it has been hard to read and understand the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I bought one after hearing you talk about it, but I just did not get it, so I stopped reading it. So now, here comes the good part, John writes. Around December 30th of last year, 2022, I got an email from Father Mike, Mike Schmitz, or someone sent it to me. I don't remember. It was about the catechism in a year from Ascension Press, and I started to follow it with Father Mike. He reads it and talks about the catechism, and I am starting to understand it better. Father, that's absolutely wonderful. Father Mike Schmidt is a wonderful priest. He also has a podcast for the Bible in a year where he reads from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm following him on both. I heard, I don't know if it's still the situation, but Father Schmidt's podcast of the Bible in a year is the number one podcast on the internet. The religious podcast of all podcasts is number one. It's so thrilling uh, for that to happen. Um, he said, John says, I listen to him on my way to work in the morning and while I'm driving, delivering my car parts, and again at night, where I can read it with him with my own catechism and my Bible. I started January 1, 2023, and now I am on day 59, and I'm doing great. But this all started with listening to you on the radio. I went through all of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, and now we are in Numbers and Deuteronomy, and I feel I'm understanding what it is I have missed in my life. And I'm reading this, uh, my heart is filled with such happiness for you. John says, I feel God sent that to me so I could get back to him. No doubt, John. Seeing as I have had heart problems before, I'm doing better with the help of my Lord Jesus Christ. The more I read with Father Mike, I feel closer to Jesus. Thank you, Mother, for being there when I needed someone to start me on my way back to Jesus Christ. May our Lord Jesus Christ bless you and keep you and your sisters in Texas safe and well, your brother in Christ, John. John, beloved brother, what a beautiful email. I'm so glad for you, and I praise God for Father Mike Schmitz. And you know, anyone else who have trouble reading the catechism, either the catechism explained, which we're going through, or the current catechism of the Catholic Church following Vatican II, if you have trouble with it, get a friend to read alongside you. Um, and discuss it together. It's always easier with a friend or someone who can help you through it. But Father Mike Schmitz is just perfect. 
so many of you can tune in to him. And it's a wonderful thing, and I bless God for Father Mike. We have an email from Alexis who writes, The pastor at a parish in Honolulu said this, uh, said in his homily, quote, Why did God create evil, end quote. He had several explanations as to why God created evil. The first was that he uses it to test us. He went on to explain other reasons. But I was scandalized by his first couple of sentences because I always knew that God created only good. I then found myself refusing to contaminate my mind any further so I tuned out anything he said afterwards. I would greatly appreciate your response to Father's statement. Thank you kindly, Alexis. Oh my, Alexis, I tell you what, it's the question of the ages. It is the question of the ages. Who created evil? Some people, even the theologians, believe that God did. God doesn't need evil in order to test us. Um, he can test us just by trials, uh, by doubting, um, not with evil. Uh, what is true, Alexis, um, hold on a minute, one second. Um, what is true is that nothing exists that God has not permitted. Let me just see something. I'm looking something up. Nothing exists that God has not permitted. It doesn't mean he created it but he allowed it. Some people believe that he did create evil. I'm gonna look at a, an article um, from Catholic Answers. Um, uh, okay, and it says, hold on now. Let me just see what it says. Um, the careful reader of sacred scripture cannot help but notice some passages that seem to conflict with another. One of these apparent conflicts can be found in comparing Genesis chapter 1, in which everything God creates is good, called good, with the prophet Isaiah's claim that on God's behalf, um, God says, I form the light, I create the darkness, I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do these things, Isaiah 45, verse 7. Not only does this verse cause a problem for biblical interpretation, it also has ramifications concerning the prop, the problem of evil. Let me take a minute and and read this because it's very very important. And I don't know anyone that doesn't have this question and has not had a good answer to it. Briefly, the problem of evil arises when we consider how an all powerful. An all-good God could create a world filled with evil. Now there are varying responses to this question, depending on what motivates it. If we're looking for a logical answer to the question, um, he says that uh, there's a book by Aval, um, Alvin Plantinga, God, Freedom, and Evil, um, let me just see. Some blame God for evil because, after all, God made everything. And unless we want to deny that evil exists, it seems that God has to answer for it. St. Thomas Aquinas responds to this claim by arguing that God did not create evil and so cannot be blamed for it. That's in the Summa. Evil 
the angelic doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas, argues is real, but it is not a thing that exists in the way a rock or an angel exists. Rather, evil is a description of an absence of goodness, kind of like how darkness, a real but not existing thing, is what we call the absence of light, which is an existing thing. So although evil is real, it is not a created thing. This is where the King James Version translation of Isaiah 45, verse 7, becomes an issue. First, we need to remember that even the King James Bible is a translation. In it, according to the Englishman's concordance, the Hebrew word ra, translated in this passage as evil, has a wide range of meanings. In the King James Bible itself, Ra, R-A, is translated over 15 different ways. It's translated not just evil, but wickedness, wicked, mischief, hurt, trouble, bad, sore, affliction, ill, adversity, favored, harm, naught, uh, noisome, grievous, sad, and other miscellaneous terms. So the apparent contradiction between Genesis 1 and Isaiah 45 can be addressed in part by noting the various understanding of the original Hebrew. Um, someone might counter that even if the precise contradiction is avoided, it might seem to be splitting hairs to avoid the difficulty. After all, some of the above terms might be seen as synonymous with evil. Notice, however, that in Isaiah 45, 7, we also find the boxed pair of light and darkness. In Genesis 1, God creates light while merely separating it from its opposite, which is darkness. So we find no claim to creation of darkness in the exact place where its opposite is created. The analogy to good and evil is in this case precise. God creates good. If someone objects to the analogy and insists that evil be understood as existing in itself, evil is used to describe many different kinds of immorality and suffering. So which is God speaking of here? Just as the text contrasts the opposites of light and darkness, it does the same with evil. It is contrasted in the King James Version with peace, whose opposite can be anything from disharmony to war. In the Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, the translation is I in Isaiah is I form light and create darkness. I make wheel and create woe. I am the Lord who doth all these things. Now God certainly can cause or allow situations that result in woe. Indeed, he does so through scripture, as punishment or as a trial. However, this in no way proves that he created evil. Further, even situations, we're almost at the bottom, even situations that involve suffering can lead to others that are objectively good. Oxusas can cause a certain amount of suffering without any evil intent, yet it results in the good of improved health. Or consider Joseph's brothers, whose evil actions ultimately resulted in good by the grace of God and faithfulness of Joseph. The same fire that cooks our food and purifies our water 
can also burn our skin and destroy our homes. It doesn't make fire, which God created, evil. God created all things that they might exist. And the generative forces of the world are wholesome. God only creates evil in the way that a donut maker creates a whole, not by giving a non-existing thing existence, but by creating a substance whose absence is named. In the metaphysical sense, evil does not exist in itself, so it is not accurate to claim that God created it. Um, I'm very happy to side with St. Thomas Aquinas. So, um, Alexis, um, you might direct your pastor to the article at catholic.com. We'll be right back there. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic Radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful for it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live. You audio today, not video. We'll be back video on Monday. God bless you. And um, this is the second Friday of Lent, so no meat today. Abstinence from meat on all Fridays of Lent. And I pray that your Lent is doing well. Don't ever be discouraged. Discouragement is never from God. It's always from the devil. So the second you feel discouraged, 
just like that, they'd be behind me, Satan, and carry on with what your intentions were. If you failed a hundred times, it doesn't matter as long as you keep getting up. There's no failure if you keep trying. We have a call from Julie. This is our last segment, um, and we have about 10 minutes, and you're still welcome to call in with whatever's on your heart, dear ones. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Joan from Virginia, I, are you on the line, dear one? I am, mother. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Julie. How about you? Oh, great. Oh, Good. I'm doing well. Um, your program has been such a blessing to my life. So thank you. Thank you for, for all you're doing. Um, thank you, Julie. So I. W- I wanted to run a couple of thoughts by you. Um, my husband and I had a conversation last night about heaven and hell, and we had different views. His view um, was that heaven and hell are always battling each other right now, and he quoted Revelation and said that there's a verse um, which says a dragon invades heaven and St. Michael and his angels are overpowered. and my husband sees saints and angels as essentially being the same as heaven in heaven and that they, um, they're always fighting Satan the whole time. Like there's just an active battle. Whereas the way that I see it is I see earth as being the battleground for souls and, and that's where the war is. And then once heaven and hell comes, it's eternal damnation for a soul or eternal rest for a soul. So which is the correct view, or if either of them are, um, what's what's your what are your thoughts on that? Yours is the understanding I have, Julie. There was a battle. Um, your husband may be um, talking about all time zones together. Um, prior to Earth even being created, there was war in heaven uh, when Satan rebelled against God, and uh, God threw him down. Uh, to earth, and a third of the angels went with him. Um, and there was a battle between Satan and Michael, uh, St. Michael the archangel. But um, the battle is on earth. It's not in heaven, and it's not in hell. Hell was created for Satan and the angels, not for us. But whoever rejects God will be in hell by their own choice. Um, there won't be a battle in hell. It will be uh, suffering for all eternity. And there's no war in heaven, which Jesus opened uh, on the cross with his resurrection. Um, There's no battle in heaven. There is only God and peace. Total peace and God with God in heaven and total suffering, excuse me, without God in hell. Um, And the two don't meet. The battle is here in time on earth. And... um, Satan will never stop fighting and trying to keep us from heaven. He could care less whether we suffer or not as long as we don't worship God. He only wants to be, he doesn't even care if we worship him as long as we don't worship God. So no, after we die, we will either go based on our own choice, we'll be with God in heaven or we'll be um, where the devil goes in hell. And uh, that will be for all eternity. There's no battle in in hell or in heaven. Those are permanent states. Okay, thank you, Mother. That was that's my understanding too. Because 
God, God promises us eternal peace, and I just couldn't imagine going to heaven and then there being a war no way. there. I just don't there's no see war. That. There's no war. There's no sin. There's no regrets. There's no tears. If we regretted even our sins in heaven, we'd be tortured for all eternity. No, absolutely no tears, only peace. What is true um, is that the degree to which we love and serve God on earth will be the degree to which we love and serve him throughout all eternity in heaven. But we will love and serve him at one level or another through all eternity in heaven. And we will know utter happiness without any question. Um, it, you could solve the situation with your husband by, by turning to the catechism or looking up uh, good Catholic teaching from catholic.com or EWTN online. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Mother. And um, I have one more mm -hmm. comment, which is Go ahead. similar sure. to the battle being on earth. Um, I just finished reading the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. And uh -huh. I think those are such enlightening letters, especially for today's time. Um, That's right. Because it, yes, because he, um, it's one demon, a higher demon speaking to another on how to take down yeah. one's soul. And, That's right. um, the, the things that he outlines, for example, um, you know, using the media and using celebrities and sports. Um, right. Satan uses those figures to draw millions and millions of souls to him. And um, it's happening right now. It's been happening throughout history, Julie, and you're very right. I, I would suggest C.S. Lewis was an Anglican, but he led many to the Catholic Church and um, a fantastic writer. I would, I would suggest that everyone read two books of his, one is the screw tape letters, and the other is Mere, M-E-R-E, Christianity. Uh, outstanding books, outstanding books, and I, I think that C.S. Lewis is Catholic now. So very, very good, Julie. I could give you a couple of illustrations from the screw tape letters that are really wonderful, but we have two other callers, so I'll go to them. But I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's a very, very good resource. Um, Exactly. If you want to know the wiles of the devil, go read that book. Very, very good. Thank you, Mother. God uh, bless you. Thank, thank you, Julie. Kurt uh, from Boston. Hello, Kurt. How are you, Mother? I haven't talked okay, to you my in a friend. while. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I know. miss you. How are you doing? I haven't, been, I, I haven't been on the radio. I have, I've been busy, but um, I picked up the Catechism Explained hardcover. Good. Oh, yeah. So um, I just got past the introduction, never mind, and I'm just starting to read it. But, you know, I, I would like to say I was listening um, to a lot of um, homilies and um, on the radio and some good ones, you know, for last things and whatnot. But, you know, a lot of topic is coming up now, especially with... Um, trying to suppress the traditional Latin mass. And what uh -huh. I come to the conclusion is, is basically this. Both rights are valid because of the intrinsic value of, of the infinite value of our Lord offering himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but, then there's the, but then there's the extrinsic value. And what I do is I try to use my same demeanor as I go to the Latin rite and I bring it to the English rite. Because, Good for you. you know, my wife likes the new mass, so where we go, it, they do both rights there, but 
even no matter where I go, I kneel when holy, holy, holy. I kneel. I know. I receive on the tongue. Receive yeah. from a priest. Say the creed in Latin. Do the dominant on some dignus. Say it, uh, and I'll always whisper it in somebody's ear as I'm saying it because you're hearing me. So oh, that's what funny. we need to do. Our Lord is in both altars. We need to act the same way. Yes, he is. Good, Kurt. God bless you, dear one. Elizabeth, I see you on the line from Virginia, and I'm sorry we can't take your call today, but perhaps you can give a call back on Monday. God bless all of you. Have a beautiful weekend and a very wonderful and holy and blessed Lent. God bless you.